atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman and Kirk Crosby on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This is the broadcast for what? It's already February the 26th, folks. There is 29 days in February this year because it's leap year, folks. The 28th is Friday. By the way, speaking of 28th Friday, do you know what the heck's going on? Dead Men Talking film being shown at Liberty Hall up in uh, near Ogden. And uh, what's that place called? Far West, Kurt? Anyway, in Far West, you got the Liberty Hall, and they're going to be showing uh, a film, Dead Man Talking About Lavoie Finicum. It's free. 6 p.m. Friday night, it starts. Jeanette Finicum, the late Lavoie's wife, speaks out, updates us on the murder of her husband and the lawsuit uh, that she's involved in that results. It's all free, and it's at 6 p.m. Uh, uh, Friday. Try to go there. Kurt's checking with his calendar to see if he can go. I'm doing the same. Wow. All right, Kurt, we, we can just travel together, you know. Yeah, we got a lot of stories going on, folks. I'll tell you that yeah. right now. Kurt's giving me, uh, let's see, how many stories did you give me for today, Kurt? You gave it to me yesterday, but yeah, one, two, three, I think four, there was probably five, 20 or six, so. seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, seventeen stories. I got to get them all ready, ladies and gentlemen. Right? I got to keep up on that. And so I was working on the stories that I already had ready, and Kurt's like, no, man, don't get these other ones ready faster. So I did. Top investor in the news, Kurt. So well, asking yeah, for they... advice, and so I thought I'd help with the advice part. Go ahead, sir. That's what I thought you might want to do. Um, you know, the headline, top investor asked for advice on stockpiling food. Uh, there are people that are, you know, concerned with the whole coronavirus thing, and they, uh, you know, are suggesting they might need to have extra food around. Paul Joseph Watson writes the piece, and... and uh, it seems like there's some people that have suggested it'd be a good idea to have food all the time, Sam. Um, even our church has recommended you have, uh, what is it, uh, like a year's supply or two-year supply, and we've been working on that for years, and I guess in some circles they call that hoarding, I guess. you know. But, well, so what are the questions? I can give advice. What are the questions? Who's this top investor, first of all, Kurt? Well, um you know, I just figured you could give him some. Well, I'm hoping the top investor is going to tell me who they are, and he's going to help my food supply. That's what I'm kind of thinking. Uh, yeah. No. Well, um, I mean, I'm hoping for an angel investor to make sure I that I have food. I just thought you'd just tell him how how to do it, pretty much. You know. Well, so the first sure thing I would know. say about your food supply is, you know, first off, if you're asking if you should have one or not, I, I don't mean to be offensive, but I'm going to, you know, a take question. a little risk or whatever. I'm just saying that's kind of a clown question. Yeah, that's like saying, should I save for a rainy day question? Yeah, right. Yep. I mean, I don't mean to be offensive. I'm just saying, of course you should. Even asking the question just makes me think, what are you thinking? Right. The investor, just so you know, uh, they call him the investor and bedrock founder. I've never heard of him, but Geoff Lewis or Jeff Lewis. I don't know why it's you don't know about this guy. name. 
well, anyway, he probably got. I know nothing uh, about Jeff either. Kirk. He was an early investor in Lyft, um, and he surprised okay. some when he asked uh, Twitter users how to go about prepping for potential food supply interruptions. Okay, now that's a great uh, question. How do you go about it? And I think he's really onto something. He's already deciding that he needs to do it, that he knows it's important. He's kind of really probably asking the question not so much that he really needs help, but he's kind of floating that out there so other people think about it and other people work on the same goal. And I commend him for it, Kurt. Yeah, he says uh, if one were hypothetically stockpiling for yeah, so you got to do the hypothetical because otherwise people might panic. Yeah, okay. of shelf stable food, what would folks recommend optimizing for keto friendly? He puts in parentheses. Uh, some of the respondents uh, chided him for his somewhat pretentious keto friendly demand, um, and uh, one of them said, "How do I make my survival food keto?" Is quite possible the uh, or possibly the most first world statement ever uttered. Okay, well, I want to just stop all the critics for a second and say, you know what? Yeah. Uh, You know what? I think a keto diet's good. I do think it'd be very hard if you don't have a lot of money to do keto-friendly, though, on the long-term we're-out-of-food plan because keto foods aren't going to store very well. Primarily, it's vegetables and meats and cheese and stuff like that. And, you know, unless you have uh, bottling or canning available to you or whatever, it's going to be very hard to get the vegetable part. The meat part, same scenario, unless you've got plenty of electricity and freezer capabilities or whatever, you're not going to be able to keep the meat uh, very easily. And the dairy is going to be very hard as well. However, if you have a lot of money, Kurt, it might be a different story. So, you know what? If you're really this rich top investor guy, I've got different guidance than I might give you or me, Kurt. You or me, I might say you're going to have to set aside the keto diet and be grateful that you have food a little bit. But a rich guy like that, I'm going to say this. Here's what you do. You ready? You create an underground complex. Uh, because if you create an underground, Kurt, just so you know, it's usually around, what, 58 degrees kind of stuff? 52 degrees. And, and then you can keep the parts that you want warm pretty easily. And the other parts you can let stay cold, kind of like an underground cellar. And you can literally uh, bottle a lot of vegetables uh, and can a lot of vegetables. And I know it's not as good as fresh, but it would be keto. Uh, and then I would say simply this. All you got to do is have a big bunch of cows, buddy. Bunch of cows, bunch of turkeys, bunch of chickens, bunch of, and since you have plenty of money, you can provide jobs for people to feed them and everything. And then when you need them, you can eat them, you know. Uh, but see, so you got to have a lot of money for that kind of stuff. Cows make milk, and then milk makes cheese, and right, and you can go on with that. And um, you'd have meat, and you'd have cheese, and you'd have the, the things that you need for keto fairly easily. You could even do a garden that way. So really, a lot of it would be living off the land, Kurt, and getting back to the kind of farmer days. And if you're very, very wealthy, you don't even have to live like that yourself. You could just have others do that for you. Um, but that's how you would eat keto. Uh, for the rest of us, I would recommend long-term storable food that keeps for a while. Uh, wheat's always a good idea, and I know people say, well, we're gluten intolerant. Uh, but Scott Bradley's highlighting that, you know what, you can get a lot of those chemicals off the wheat, and then it's actually pretty good for you. We've also talked about if you sprout that wheat, it makes a tremendous difference as well. So, uh, you know, I'd store a lot of grains, uh, you know, and I would basically um, prepare. There's a lot of ways to get a lot of pretty simple foods prepared. Sprouting is a good idea. Gardens are good ideas. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not only what you eat, but how much you eat that I think is really important. You know, in the times of plenty, we probably eat way too much food. I think intermittent, intermittent fasting goes along with the keto diet quite well too. And if you do some of that, that makes a big difference. Uh, so I think there's a lot of really, um, prudent plans you can take, but here's the most important advice. Now this doesn't apply to this rich guy, Kurt, 
but it applies to you and me. I don't want you to panic and go borrow a bunch of money to get food. Okay, I don't want you to look at it as we got a specific crisis like the coronavirus or something that you got to prepare for. And I get that preparedness will help whether it's job loss, whether it's a real you know catastrophe. It doesn't matter if it's bigger, smaller, individualistic, or affects people in the community. You need to plan longer term. And food storage isn't something that you just gain in a day. There's two main components. One is getting the food. And two is learning to use the food that you get. And some just say, well, I'm only going to get the food that I eat. I know, but you just can't get boxes of cereal uh, that'll go stale and bad in several months uh, when there's no milk to put on it. Okay, that isn't going to work, folks. You can't get your croissants from the deli or whatever. Okay, they're just going to go bad. You're going to have to learn to make bread out of wheat or whatever. You're going to have to learn to, you know, make soups out of uh, stored vegetables and dried foods and things. So uh, there's two things. One, you don't got to get the food all in a day. In my opinion, it's a put a little bit of back thing. It's, you don't develop a savings account overnight either. You just put a little bit in it, 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 a little bit in it. And over time, pretty soon, you got quite a bit of it. And you're like, wow, we're really gaining on this, aren't we? That's right. That's how you do it. So don't panic. Don't melt down. Slowly but surely, get the food that is storable and then learn how to use it, Kurt. And you don't have to have every meal this way, but you can learn how to use it. You can learn how to. Kurt likes to make wheat berries, for example. And you put wheat in water and then it kind of. Uh, it absorbs the water and kind of expands. Then you can add that to a lot of other dishes and make dishes taste good, make them more healthy, make them go a lot further. So pretty soon, two cans of chili that you may have in your food storage, uh, when you add a bunch of wheat, pretty soon, hey, you add some wheat and some vegetables and a few extra things, <clears throat> cut up some spam or whatever and put in there. You know, Pretty soon, you've turned a, a, something not very big into something pretty big that could feed a lot of people. There's a lot of ways to go about that, <clears throat> but I'm kind of advising. Not only does it take a little bit at a time and you gain over time, but then it takes a little bit of know-how along with it. A lot of people might have a big old, you know, couple thousand pounds of wheat. And then if it were really time, they wouldn't even know what to do with it. Uh, and so those are, are components that I think there are better dried milk than others. The morning moose milk is some of the best dried milk you can get. And if you mix it right, and if you really dissolve all the different powder and you put it in the fridge right and you drink it cold, it's hard to tell the difference. Um, they've really come a long way in long-term storable foods. When I was a kid, a lot of it didn't taste very good. But, man, have they come a long way in terms of, uh, you know, some of that stuff is pretty darn good stuff. And so there's a lot that could be done, Kurt, for the rich. Hey, crank it up, man. Just get a big old underground complex. Uh, have your cellar down there to where you don't have to have a lot of refrigeration. And just own a farm, buddy. You'd have plenty of cows and chickens and ducks and whatever you need, right? And uh, you'd have plenty of meat and cheese and all the you know, vegetables in your garden. If you're on the, you know, money crunch side, such as I, then what you do is you just get a little bit of food, a little bit of savings, a little bit of food, a little bit of savings, and you just work at it day in and day out. You steadily progress kind of Dave Ramsey style. Just apply the Dave Ramsey principles to food, okay? <laughs> and pretty soon, you know, you'll direct your money towards food and you'll get a little bit at a time and you'll learn to use what you have. And and before you know it, you'll be in good shape. How's that for the advice? Get a little bit of gold and silver, too, in case you ever need to trade. Get a little bit of beans, bullets and band-aids in case you ever need to <clears throat> go hunting or something like that. That'll extend your ability or defend oneself. Uh, beans will feed you. Band-aids will take care of any medical needs, that, you know, some of the medical needs that you have. And that's how I'd get started, Kurt. Anyway, Kurt's advice when we come back and a whole lot more news than network should be used to use right here on Liberty Roundtable Live.
Hi, I'm Patty, wife of former Congressman Steve Stockman. In Congress, Steve sought impeachment of Eric Holder for his corruption of the Justice Department and his fast and furious gun running that caused border agent Brian Talley's death. Steve called for arrest of Lois Lerner for her contempt of Congress as it investigated her targeting of conservative nonprofit groups. After four years, four grand juries, and millions of tax dollars, Steve Stockman is in prison. His case involved four checks to nonprofits. DOJ has one standard for Hillary Clinton, but another for folks like President Trump and my husband. We've spent all our savings, all Steve's retirement, and much of mine. Steve Stockman has fought for you and America. Won't you join me now to fight for Steve? To help, text FIGHT to 444-999, text F-I-G-H-T to 444-999, or go to DefendAPatriot.com, DefendAPatriot.com. The runner on third takes a short lead, Elwood glances over, now back to the plate, he sets the pitch, it's swung on strike three, they've won it, they have won it, world champions, Jim, what's it like down on the field? John, it's a madhouse down here, I'm, I'm trying to get to Bob Elwood, the winning pitcher, Bob, Bob, how does it feel, winning the seventh game on a strikeout? Yeah, I, I, I thought he'd be looking for a slider, so I came on with my fastball. World champions, is this the greatest moment of your life? Absolutely, Not Jim, the best moments for me are breakfast with the kids, long walks with my wife, just holding her hand, you know? Marriage. You're never too far apart when you're still holding hands. From your neighbors, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Jim, when was the last time you held your wife's hand? Well, it's, it's, it's been a while. I tell you, you need to step up to the plate, Jim. For more tips on strengthening your marriage, visit family.mormon.org. Live and on your radio, top investor asks for advice on stockpiling food. Maybe could it be keto, too? You got the coronavirus spreading. Folks have fears of shortages. I provided some uh, little tidbit advice. Kurt's got more, Kurt. Well, and the, uh, you know, this investor was counseled on InfoWars um, to uh, stock up on things like sardines, tuna, peanut butter, almond butter, uh, nuts, beef jerky, broth, uh, dried vegetables, chicken, rice, and beans. Um, you know, the thing that I found interesting, Sam, last night uh, with some of the grandkids that are here, um, you know, kind of extending my uh, birthday celebration thing. Um, we watched an old movie uh, from the Disney Plus boys. Um, it's called Old Yeller. Uh, it's from 1957, so the year before I was born. That dude, black uh, and white, Kurt? No, it was actually had Whoa. color. So it, right. they probably, you know, colorized it. Yeah, the kids wouldn't like it, buddy. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, it, it tells a story about this family that's living out in the, you know, basically out in the country. And, uh, you know, they raise corn. And then, you know, when the, when they need meat, the boy goes and kills a deer and brings it in. And then uh, if they, you know, and then it shows him uh, cutting it up and then uh, hanging it up to dry and, uh, you know, basically uh, curing it that way. And, uh, you know, you... When you see the way they used to do things, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the uh, story about the lady that was, uh, they went and checked on this one lady when, you know, some big uh, troubles were uh, where they couldn't, uh, she was quite elderly and uh, 
they they couldn't get uh, food to the grocery stores and so they were worried about this lady and well she didn't even notice that there wasn't food at the grocery stores because basically she had all this uh, you know storage of her uh, food in cans and bottles and that kind of thing and she just had her own food and you know so it makes me think a little bit more of that and uh, you know of course you can help uh, help out your friends and neighbors uh, either by teaching them or at least showing them how to do that and you mentioned a bunch of good things so i think we've pretty well covered that all right well there's a poor quality western diet discussion that ought to relate to this too i think kurt and uh, cnn's got this piece uh, sandy lamote uh but um you know, yeah, they've got to combine the poor quality diet with uh, the headline reads, poor quality Western diet kills sperm count and lowers males te- male testosterone, according to a study. Um, you know, um, I think a lot of this kind of goes along with, you know, what we were talking about. Um, you know, we've gone away from basic things. Uh, you know, you've got, you've got the folks that, uh, you know, you've got your... Uh, all these drinks and different things that really don't have much real food in them. I guess KMOV was the source of this story, um, you know, even before CNN, or at least uh, they carried it with them. They say if sperm wars and animal science might worry that it's heading toward extinction in Western nations. Uh, they say that the uh, sperm count has dropped by up to 60% in the 38 years between 1973 and 2011. So in my, re- my response to that is you got to wonder, is that an accident, Kurt, when they're really promoting population control and birth control and saying how awful it is to have children and how you're ruining the planet and all this kind of stuff. See, I don't think that's by accident, Kurt. No, I think we could reverse the trend and go back to the basics to a great degree. Uh, But I don't believe it's an accident that this is happening to Western nations, Kurt. Do you? Well, it seems like, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that want to get this kind of thing done you know because they they're so afraid of the world being overpopulated or whatever and yet uh, apparently these same people don't you know want to bring up the whole god factor and that uh, the god of heaven is you know put his people here and uh, he wants children to come to the earth etc but there's no room in this cnn piece for that sam uh there is for liberty roundtable to highlight that point though that's right. Uh, I found it interesting. They go up to 2011, um, and yet, uh, aren't we in 2020? Uh, but anyway, um, they say more recent studies show the trend is continuing. They say at the same time, studies show a concurrent decline in testosterone levels, the hormone needed to build a man's muscle and bone mass and boost his sex drive, they say. Why? No one knows for sure, they say. Debate rages about the role of radiation, air pollution, chemicals in our food, clothes and water. They just named all the reasons why. And I, don't, I, and I don't think it's just one reason. I think it's all the reasons they're just highlighting right here. Here's what I find interesting. CNN would never bring yes. up a story like this unless they have this weird twist about sex or sperm or whatever. Right. But all I'm telling you is I like it because CNN blatantly admits poor quality Western diet. Yeah. Okay, CNN's telling you that. And so I come yeah, back and, and they, say, what can we do to change that, CNN? 
They say the study found that on average men who typically ate a westernized diet of pizza, snacks, sweets, and processed foods produced around 68 million fewer sperm upon ejaculation than men who ate a more healthy, balanced diet. Um, you know, uh, so anyway. And uh, a more healthy, like balanced diet, they should go into a little bit, which to me would be fruits and vegetables. It'd yeah, be, you know, you non-chemical meats, so non-processed, you know, meats or whatever. The less processed, the better. Uh, it would be wholesome grains, right? It'd be a, a uh-huh. little bit of dairy, the appropriate cheese. It would be plenty of salt. I know they, you know, you're on that too, but it would be the good fats. It would be, you know, we could go on and on, but the, in my mind, the Mediterranean slash keto kind of diets are where it's at, buddy. Yeah. Of course, are they going to mention that at CNN? Least. Uh, no. you know, you have to look way down in the story to get that, uh, right. salmon. But anyway, uh, yeah. All right. Cumulus, big old multimedia company or whatever else, huge radio station owner. I guess they're, uh, what, melting down, Kurt? Well, it seems like those big guys have been doing that forever. Like you said, uh, it seemed like it wasn't fair. They could, uh, I guess you could say, uh, offer to pay a certain amount and then really not end up paying it just borrow it or whatever and get funding and stuff and that's kind well, of well once they have the on special privileges at the trough they usually just negotiate a different deal anyway so there you go yeah, that's but right. 250 I guess, towers though they, they must be trying to do a big sale huh yeah uh, apparently uh you know they're uh contemplating putting 250 towers now what towers are ladies and gentlemen are those um you know, things you might see at nighttime flashing that are high up in the air. Um, and they want to, uh, the headline reads, broadcaster contemplates putting 250 tower portfolio on the market, Cumulus Media. Um, they're the latest, they say, radio group to consider selling its towers to reduce debt. The CEO, Mary Berner, said, uh, the broadcaster's pondering strategic alternatives um, across these 32 states uh, where they have these tower 250 tower sites typically they say radio companies lease back the site after a sale because they still need the tower to transmit their signal cumulus considered selling their towers in 2017 before filing chapter 11 but quote stick prices have since gone up uh during an earnings call uh, the cfo there said we're at a very early stage in our exploration and we expect to be working through the possibilities over the next couple well, of maybe quarters. they ought to decrease the cost of their talent and decrease the cost of which they're willing to pay for radio stations Kurt, they've driven both to the roof good point sam i couldn't agree more yeah. All right. Anyway, I hope they can reduce debt, though. That's for sure. It's good for everybody to reduce yeah. debt, by the way, even the That's right. cumulus boys. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's no story, There's no segment replete without talking about Donald or Kobe. So, Kurt? Well, in this case, the headline says Kobe Bryant's wife files wrongful death lawsuit against helicopter company, uh, you know, and the pilot. Uh, you know, I guess they say because uh, the day was... Um, you know, pretty foggy, uh, you know, that the pilot shouldn't have been flying or the helicopter company. But the bottom line is who will win here is, uh, you know, I think those attorneys will walk away with a whole lot of money. And, uh, you know, they're not going to bring Kobe or his daughter or anybody else back to life. But there's going to be the sewers will be filled, Sam. Yes. Um, I got a little bit of news for Kobe's 
wife, though, Kurt. Yeah. You know, if she's going to sue the pilot, I don't think he cares. Yeah. Right? Good I mean, point. does the pilot care if he gets sued, Kurt? Well, I think he's a goner, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't really understand right. what this is all about. And it's not about that she needs money, Kurt, does she? Kobe's wife is kind of, um, maybe he left her with no insurance, Kurt. What typically happens, Sam, is you got these attorneys that are going to, you know, um, you know, chase these accidents. And especially in this case where they know that they could get money out of the wife anyway, um, they're going to tell her about a big bundle of cash at the end of the rainbow. What a sad tale to tell. Our pressure with Kobe and family, but I don't think lawsuits are the answer at this point. Just my humble two cents. Right. Quick pause. Our guest coming up. This is Liberty Roundtable Live. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Chris Barnes. President Trump preparing to address the nation later today. He says he'll be discussing the coronavirus outbreak during a news conference at 6 p.m. Eastern. He'll be joined by officials from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The president making the announcement on Twitter after earlier attacking the media for panicking the markets through their coverage of the virus. Democrats at last night's presidential primary debate in South Carolina clashed on a number of issues, but they seemed to agree when it came to gun control. Getting fired up about it was candidate Joe Biden, who said he'll take on the NRA. And gun manufacturers, I'm going to take you on, and I'm going to beat you. I'm the only one who's done it. Five-time tennis Grand Slam champion Maria Sharapova is retiring. The 32-year-old saying that she will miss the sport and everything that comes with it. And this is USA Radio News. Hello, this is Wayne Allen Root, relentless conservative warrior, middle-class warrior, and always Trump warrior. I have a message for my fellow patriots across America. President Trump is making America great again. He's the only president in my lifetime who is keeping his promises, and his biggest promise is to build that wall. President Trump can only do it with our help. If Congress won't fund Trump's wall, we will. President Trump is one man against the world, and what globalists and socialists around the world want is clear, open borders. It's time to take a stand. We either build the wall, or it's the end of the greatest nation of world history ever blessed by God. That's why I founded the Root for the Wall Pack. 63 million Trump voters together will raise the money President Trump needs for the wall. Anyone who donates $100 or more will get a beautiful commemorative wall brick. Display it proudly. Call 844-ROOT-WALL. That's toll-free, 844-ROOT-WALL. Or go to rootwall.com. We will build this wall together. Call 844-ROOT-WALL or go to rootwall.com. Root for the Wall Pack. Pay for it. Responsible for the content of this message. Not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. Rootwall.com. Lawmakers in Virginia passing a bill regarding school discipline that's not sitting well with many parents. The bill would allow schools to determine whether to report certain student misdemeanors to the police. Backers say they proposed it because Virginia sends more children of color and more disabled children into the criminal justice system than any other state in the nation. Vice President Mike Pence thanking farmers in Michigan yesterday for standing strong during a trade war with China. Speaking to the Michigan Farm Bureau's Lansing Legislative Seminar, Pence said he credits the strong stand taken by farmers, as well as President Trump, for the trade victory regarding China in signing a new deal with that communist country. 
dealing with intellectual property rights and securing 40 to 50 billion dollars in agricultural exports to China in the next two years. It's a start. Pence adding the era of economic surrender to China is over. And this is USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we've got Stephen Mosher on the line, president of Population Research Institute, pop.org. Welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, my friend. Good to be here. Hey, you were just on Tucker Carlson, right? Uh, I was, yeah. I, I, I'm on Fox from time to time, more recently because of the... Uh, the dangers coming from China, many, many different kinds of dangers, military, economic, trade, and now uh, a new danger, of course, the uh, the coronavirus. All right. Now, you're known as a Chinese expert. You're very familiar with China, and you've been working uh, around the world for pro-life and, and great causes for a long, long time. Uh, and you have your latest book out now called Bully of Asia, now available on Amazon, right? That's right. Uh, I wrote Bully of Asia because I wanted people to understand that China is the preeminent threat of the 21st century. But by, by the end of the century, uh, there will be uh, the 21st century will either be known as the second American century or the uh, century that China came to dominate the world. And uh, as a patriotic American, I want it to be known as the second American century. That's why I wanted to warn people about what's uh, at China's plan for dominating the world. They've got multiple plans, of course. They've got the China 2025 plan, the 2037 plan, and the 2050 plan, by which time they intend to be the dominant power on the planet and to have their way of life, their political system, their economic system, uh, dominant everywhere. And, and that's not a world that I want to live in. I certainly don't want my children and grandchildren to have to live in. And it's worth highlighting the communist Chinese. Let's be very clear. Now, I'm going to play naive just for a second to make a point. Aren't they our most favored nation trading partner there? Well, that was a battle that was a battle that we uh, we fought and 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 lost. Uh, those of us who uh, believe that America should put America uh, Americans should put America first, um, because for a long time after the Tiananmen massacre, uh, people will remember on June fourth, nineteen eighty nine, that the People's Liberation Army uh, mowed down, ran down with tanks, shot down with automatic weapons unarmed demonstrators in the streets of their capital city. Uh, the number of dead, I think, uh, that night were probably around 10,000, but many more were wounded. And the next day, uh, People's Liberation Army trucks pulled up in front of all the hospitals and medical clinics in Beijing and took away the wounded, uh, never to be heard from again. So uh, that's called, uh, you know, killing the witnesses. Yes, it is. Their one-child policy has been abusive forever. Now you've got, what, how many million men that will never have the opportunity to get married, right? Well, you've got right now of marriageable age, you've got about 30 million uh, Chinese men uh, from 20s to mid-30s uh, who will never be able to get married because the women they would have been married have, they would have, married, have been killed after birth uh, by female infanticide or being left to die of exposure. Uh, or they were killed before birth by sex selection infanticide, uh, sex selection abortion, which means you go in at 15, 16 weeks gestation. You take an ultrasound. If you're carrying a little boy, you celebrate. If you're carrying a little girl, uh, you schedule an abortion. That has been a massive uh, cause of deaths of uh, little girls in China, leaving China with a heavily male population. And um, countries with heavily male populations have one thing in common. They, they tend to be uh, more aggressive, both within their borders and, and outside of their borders. They're really a country groomed for war. 
aren't they? Well, you know, when you when you can't form a family in the normal fashion, right? When you have a young man who can't get married because there are no brides, uh, they seek alternative families, and some of those alternative families we have names for. We call them uh, the People's Liberation Army, for example, is an alternative family. You have the Brotherhood of the Barracks, and you have the commanding officer as the father figure. Another alternative family, of course, is a gang, uh, where the gang leader is the father figure and so on. So you get all kinds of social pathologies from upsetting the normal balance of nature, which is that there basically is, is one man for one woman in every society of the world, except in China today. All right. Um, Steve's book, ladies and gentlemen, Stephen Mosher's book, Bully of Asia. You want to get caught up on this whole thing, the multifaceted reality? I'm telling you, there's no other way than to read the book, Bully of Asia, now available on Amazon. Hopefully they have it on Audible, too, uh, Mr. Mosher. Yep, we've got it on Audible. We've got the Kindle edition, the hardcover. And uh, and uh, interestingly enough, you know, we were talking about the fact that China is engaging in aggression outside of its borders. Uh, I wrote with a friend of mine, retired colonel in the U.S. Army, a book called China Attacks about a future Chinese invasion of Taiwan, which, um, you know, you have to wonder, in the middle of a crisis in China today, uh, would the leadership of China, the president of China, Xi Jinping, engage in a foreign adventure uh, to distract from the problems, uh, the trade problems, the economic problems, the Without a doubt. problems, uh, to distract the Chinese people from what they're their worsening situation day by day, uh, sure they would. So uh, it's an interesting read as well. Excellent. All right. Now, you mentioned a couple of uh, milestones that I want to talk about really quick. Then I wanted to get into the, get into the coronavirus and, and some of your points on that. You mentioned the 2025 plan by China, the 2037 plan by China, and the 2050 plan by China. Really, it's one big plan with multiple phases, right? That's right. It, it basically lays out where they want to be over the next uh, 30 years. And the 2025 plan is interesting because uh, it, it lays out 11 high-tech areas uh, that China wants to dominate by 2025. And it's heavily subsidizing uh, research and um, espionage and uh, the theft of intellectual property in those 11 areas. And there are areas like uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, there are areas like uh, um, machine learning. Uh, there are areas like uh, the reason it originally was 10. Interestingly enough, they added an 11th a couple of years ago, which was dominance in 5G. Uh, 5G, of course, is the the 100 times faster Internet speed that will enable uh, everything to run uh, in real time uh, through computers. And China wants to set up, interestingly enough, China wants to set up the 5G network around the world. And I'll tell you what, if China sets up a 5G network in a country, uh, they will have their finger on a kill switch 24-7. And if that country doesn't do what China wants in a crisis, uh, they'll turn off the lights. Uh, they'll shut down the economy. Uh, 5G will give them the ability to, to also eavesdrop in real time on all uh, Internet traffic uh, that goes back and forth. So how real, do you think how real do you think it'll be for their 2025 plan? Are they close? Are they going to meet the targets? Is it a plan that will keep moving back? What do you think the reality is? Well, the, the reality is that the plan uh, appeared on the verge of, of being uh, realized uh, back in 2016. And for the last three years, we've set China back on its heels because we've been paying more attention 
under the Trump administration to stopping the theft of intellectual property. And let's be clear. Let's be clear. Donald Trump has had a big effect on that. Do we want more? Uh, yes, but absolutely. Donald gets a lot of credit here, right? Uh, ab- absolutely, because he's put people in place. He's been he's been on the China issue um, since uh, since I've been on the China issue. He was talking about how China cheats on trade and and uh, devalues its currency back in the 1990s, uh, in the previous century. And so he's been he's been on China. Uh, China's uh, uh, issues for a long time. He also has people in place who are paying a lot of attention uh, to the China problem, like my old friend Peter Navarro and, and others in the administration. So we we had, listen, we had back in 2016, we had the major economic uh, companies in the United States, Forbes and Bloomberg and so forth, predicting that by 2020, and that's right now, by 2020, that China's economy would overtake the economy of the United States. That was back in 2016. Now we're in 2020, four years later. What does the world look like? Well, China's economy has grown by, several, uh, by a couple trillion dollars, to be sure. But our economy has grown uh, at least as fast. And it appears now that China will not overtake the United States in the foreseeable future. Uh, folks, that's all Donald Trump. Uh, we would be on the other side of that equation if it were not for uh, the America First policies of this president. That is a tremendous reality check. So how far are they going to be from their 2025 goals? And is there provisions to just move that back? Does it change the 2037 and 2050 uh, realities if they don't make their goals? Or do they just keep marching along and get where they get as they get there? Well, you know, the, the Chinese Communist Party uh, doesn't, isn't legitimized by elections. They, don't, they, they would lose a free election if they held an election in China tomorrow. Look, they'd get a tiny fraction of the vote. Uh, how they, they legitimize their rule is by performance. They say to the Chinese people, you may not like us. You know, we, we lock up a lot of you. We torture a lot of you. We, we don't allow you to practice your religion. You have no freedom of conscience, no freedom of speech, assembly, association. You can't organize labor unions. You can't strike for higher wages. But we're giving you a better life. We're improving the economy by 5 or 6% every year. Uh, so you have to keep us in power so we can continue to do that. Guess what? Uh, they're suffering. The Chinese Communist Party is suffering today from performance anxiety, because the economy right now in China is shut down. Uh, The skies over Beijing and Shanghai and Guangzhou are clear and blue because the factories aren't belching out black smoke. Uh, The freeways in China are almost empty of traffic because everybody's staying home for fear of the coronavirus. Uh, So uh, the Chinese economy has ground to a halt because of their failure, um, their failure to uh, control the coronavirus there. All right. What about the 2037 and 2050? What does it look like if their dreams are realized? Well, a a world in which China was dominant would be a very different world than we see today. It would be less free. Uh, It would be less democratic, obviously. Uh, The free market would go by the wayside. Uh, You would have China as the dominant country producing all all of the industrial goods, and the rest of the world would be a source of raw materials and and buyers for China's consumer products. All right, hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Stephen Mosher's latest book is called Bully of Asia, available on Amazon and Audible and just about everywhere. Check it out. Back in a flash. I have a question. Can a nation conceived in liberty carry its head high if it denies protection to the youngest and most vulnerable of its citizens? Can a country founded on God-given rights continue to thrive without understanding that life is a precious gift from our Creator? 
I believe that great nations and great civilizations spring from a people who have a moral compass. I don't think a civilization can long endure that does not have respect for all human life, born and not yet born. I will be in earnest. I will not equivocate and I will not excuse. I will not retreat an inch and I will be heard. One thing I promise you, I will always take a stand for life. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. All right, Stephen Mosher riding shotgun today on the program, ladies and gentlemen. Pop.org is his website. He's a China expert. We're going to drill into the coronavirus here in just a second. But I'm telling you right now, the communist Chinese, they have a plan for 2025, 2037, and 2050, which is really nothing but global dominance in every area, bar none. And uh, you know what? The Trump administration realizes uh, what's going on and has made a tremendous difference. But we got to wake up and realize as well, for the one-child murderous policy, murdering all the women, uh, to the uh, provocateur nature of their war mentality, and eventually uh, trying to uh, crush Taiwan— uh, that's just the first stop on a global uh, dominance and force to go along with their communist agenda. These people flat out are, are, are on a, a heck bent for communism, aren't they? Well, yeah. I mean, look, every every communist party is basically a war party. It's organized with military discipline. And the Chinese Communist Party, in, in fact, is, is, is that to a T. You've got cells of communist party members. You've got uh, the party secretary. You have to answer to everyone has to hew the party line. Everybody has to read uh, the collected works of Xi Jinping and be able to quote them uh, when they're questioned. Everybody has to do a Xi Jinping, have a Xi Jinping app on their phone and study the works of Xi Jinping every day for 20 minutes, 30 minutes and answer questions. Uh, so this is a top down organized political organization organized like a a, a military. And uh, right now, you know, they're kind of exercising the muscular tone of their system by by fighting this coronavirus. Uh, communist parties always need enemies, right? They always have to identify an enemy of the people. And for 40 years, the enemy of the Chinese people were unborn children. And so they carried out the one-child policy. And now the enemy of the people is anyone who may have the coronavirus. And those people are being boarded up in their homes. They're being sent to detention centers. They're being, they're being uh, separated from in a, in a very, very uh, brutal triage system. They're being separated from the Chinese population as a whole and basically hung out to dry. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's talk about the coronavirus. A lot of people uh, don't understand it. They just know it's bad and they're scared. But you got to kind of uh, really drill into the origins and the details. The communist Chinese uh, haven't been honest or truthful about this at all. First, they tried to pretend it didn't exist. Then they tried to say, hey, people like this, um, you know, uh, kind of farmer's market of live animals because they want fresh meat and stuff like that. And that's where it came from by accident. But the more you drill, the more questions you ask, and the more this spreads, um, the more the truth starts to come out, Mr. Mosher. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Everybody in China and everybody around the world who has coronavirus, who may get sick from it or die from it, is a victim of the Chinese Communist Party because this uh, coronavirus was made in China. Uh, China has one only one uh, very high-tech, level four uh, biotechnology laboratory where they do research on deadly uh, viruses like the coronavirus. It's located in the city of Wuhan. People have been hearing the word Wuhan a lot lately. Wuhan is the city of about uh, 15 million people where the epicenter of the coronavirus epidemic is. Uh, So we know that they've been uh, violating the bioweapons treaty Uh, that they signed uh, decades ago by continuing to do research into bioweapons. We know that that research is being carried out in only two labs in China, one in Beijing, which is the level three lab, not quite as good as the level four lab in Wuhan, which is the second location for the bioweapons laboratory. So they're collecting. Here's what we know. We know they're collecting dangerous viruses, including coronaviruses, from animals, from bats, uh, from from, from rats, from other animals. They're collecting them uh, by espionage from labs around the world, including the, uh, the Level 4 lab in Canada where, where viruses were stolen last year. Uh, and they're taking them to Wuhan to do research. Why? Because they want to um, find out more about how to turn uh, already deadly viruses into, into weapons. Now, now, I'm not saying that the coronavirus is, is a bioweapon. I'm just saying that, that my best analysis of the situation is that that coronavirus was in the lab in Wuhan, the Institute of Virology in Wuhan City, and it escaped one way or another from that lab. It doesn't make sense uh, to say that it uh, was, was an, an innocent, quote-unquote, innocent transmission from a wild animal that was brought into the fresh meat market in Wuhan. Even the Chinese government now admits Chinese scholars of the National Academy of Sciences of China two days ago published a paper saying the source of the coronavirus was not the seafood market in Wuhan, which is where Communist Party officials told us for the last three months, they told us that was the origin of the virus. That's just a cover story. A cover story for what? Trying to cover up the fact that it was their evil and incompetence that allowed this coronavirus to escape from the Institute of Virology in Wuhan to kill many, many uh, Chinese and sicken many, many more. So it kind of begs the question, Mr. Musher, do you think this is by accident that it got released, or do you think it was intentional? Well, I think I think this was clearly an accident. If you develop a bioweapon or a weapon of any kind, it's generally not to use it on your own people. Uh, so how did it get out of the lab? Well, first of all, people need to understand that China has a history of lab accidents. Uh, Back in 2003, we had something called a SARS epidemic. Some people may remember. SARS, S-A-R-S, stands for Sudden Acute Respiratory Syndrome. 
And the Chinese government took the SARS virus into their level three lab in Beijing and began experimenting on it. And guess what? In 2004, they had two more SARS epidemics in China. Why? Because poor lab practice uh, allowed the virus, the SARS virus, to escape from the lab and kill and, and make ill many more people in China. So bad lab practice is, is sort of par for the course for China. All right. How bad do you think this is going to get? A lot of people are saying it's going to be global. People are saying in America it's not if but when. What do you think it's going to do to the economy? Give me kind of a what do you think the reality check is going to be for this? Or is it going to be kind of like SARS? They're going to pitch it up as being big and then it's not going to be as big as they say. What do you think the reality will be? Well, I think we have the best virologists in the world here. Uh, the, the fact is we're a little behind the curve because uh, the Chinese Communist Party has been hiding information about the virus, how lethal it is. Uh, what the what the incubation period is, uh, can you transmit the virus when you're asymptomatic, and all those things that you need to learn in order to put in place proper quarantine procedures. But we have those procedures in place. Uh, every day that we can uh, buy in terms of time puts us one day closer to finding antiviral medications that will work to stop the progress of the disease if you're sick with it, and puts us one day closer to getting a vaccine. So I think that if there's any place in the world you want to be right now, it's in the United States of America. Amen uh, to that. Now, what about this idea? They say most of the people that have died uh, over this have had either compromised immune systems and or they're over 70 years old. Now, I'm not at all uh, um, less concerned because people are older. I'm just making a point that um, don't you think most Americans who have good nutrition and good you know, hygiene and, and, and uh, won't most people survive this quite well, even if they do get it? Yeah, think about think about this. The reason the mortality rate in China is is high, killing about three percent of the men that it infects, and about a percent and a half of the women, according to the figures we have. And again, we're 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 sort of playing in the dark here. Because but we know they've lied, so we know the numbers are way yeah. low, right? So so we so say three percent of the men. But think about this: everybody in China, all the men in China, smoke. Uh, it's nineteen thirty in China in terms of smoking habits. So a lot of the women, most of the men in China smoke. Their lungs are already under stress. The pollution in Chinese cities is the worst in the world. Uh, you can hardly breathe the air in Chongqing and Wuhan uh, in the summer when the factories are belching out black smoke. Again, that's a stress on the lungs. This is a disease that causes pneumonia. If your lungs are already stressed and weakened by uh, smoking, by, by air pollution, uh, you're going to fall prey to the disease in larger numbers. So, yeah, the Chinese are particularly vulnerable to this for many, many reasons. Um, and, and we're not. Um, I, that's why I think we haven't seen any, any deaths from the coronavirus in this country. We have the best medical system in the world, uh, which is why we need to keep it the way it is and not, not try to socialize it. Do you think that we'll be able to handle this economically, or do you think it's going to be an economic meltdown? I think that money uh, uh, will be moving to the United States. Uh, the worse things get in Asia and in Europe, uh, the, the better it will be for the United States. I don't take pleasure in saying that. But the U.S. is in, in North America in general is a safe haven in times like this. Uh, also, I think that the last three years of the Trump administration, we have seen uh, factories, uh, uh, businesses in the United States shifting their supply chains away from China. So we're now sourcing goods in other places like Taiwan, uh, Vietnam, India, Mexico, and in the United States of America, where uh, we will keep those supply chains uh, open and running and keep our factories up and running. So, uh, again, I think we're much better off in 2020 after four years of uh, President Trump than we would have been uh, under um, 
the alternative scenario, which I won't mention because Amen. it's too horrible to contemplate. <laughs> All right, let's talk about this, though. Rush Limbaugh said he believes this was intentionally done uh, to try to take the economy down, to try to uh, remove Trump. Do you think there's any truth to Rush's claims? Oh, uh, I, I, um, I, I know Rush, and and um, and and I really appreciate what his his opinions on things. Uh, would they play it like this after it was released accidentally from the lab? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they're thinking. Look, uh, the Chinese Communist Party leader Xi Jinping held a meeting for 170,000 Communist Party officials throughout the length and breadth of China. He basically declared war on the coronavirus, which means declaring war on anybody who may have the virus. But they're also putting politics first. It is, he said, it is politics first, safety second, and a cure third. What does politics first mean? It means putting the Communist Party and its goals uh, first, uh, so protecting the party above all. And then secondly, safety means, means uh, you know, cutting out of the herd, the human herd in China, everybody who may have the disease, and putting them in detention centers. And then maybe after we protect the Communist Party's rule and, and quarantine people, uh, we can then worry about finding a cure. So that's the, uh, the goal of the Communist Party, and I'm sure they're thinking about trying to take advantage of um, of countries who fall prey to the coronavirus that they themselves have have inadvertently unleashed on the world. Tell people what they're going to find at pop.org, your website, sir. Well, they're going to find a lot of information about how um, children are blessings and not burdens. We're a pro-life organization, pro-family organization. Uh, we also oppose uh, population control programs. I was in China back in 1979, a long time ago, when the one-child policy began. I was in the operating room when they were doing forced abortions on women who were nine months pregnant. Uh, so you can't tell me that the Chinese Communist Party would hesitate, would hesitate to take any action to protect its rule. I mean, if you can kill babies uh, only days uh, or hours before birth, what wouldn't you do? So um, this is this is uh, an, an, an evil uh, political organization. And hopefully one day the Chinese Communist Party uh, will be removed by the Chinese people. Amen to that. And by the way, it's come to a theater near us in America. They've literally openly discussed keeping babies comfortable while they plot their murder in America. The extreme elements in the Democratic Party and others have even talked about that. So sadly, that ideology is spreading. We reject it and we'll do all we can to see pro-life become the order of the day. They lost a big battle in the Senate over this yesterday. We don't have time to go into it. But suffice it to say, we need good Americans to stand with Pop.org and Stephen Mosher. Thank you so much for your time, sir. No, thank you, Sam. He always does a phenomenal job. That's why we love Stephen Mosher and the work that him and his organization are doing. It's just tremendous pro-life efforts. They don't pull punches. They don't play games. They don't get into hyperbole. They just tell it like it is. And with that information, we the people need to stand with them and take action to preserve God, family, and country, life, liberty, and property. We're all about it, folks. And we need your financial help as well. Pop.org and LibertyRoundtable.com. Our nationally syndicated radio network is LovingLiberty.net. Check that out. And if you can, go to the event Friday night. We'll keep talking about it as well. Um, Dead Man Talking about Lavoy Finicum. His wife, Jeanette, will be there speaking as well. Six o'clock in far west Utah at Loving Liberty Hall.